Hello, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate romanticism through art, storytelling, nature, music, poetry, creating, and passionate people doing incredible things. Hello, I'm a lousy liar, but I'm a good singer. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Emily. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't know by now, we live stream all of our interviews and you are cordially invited yet again to join us. Uh, Interact with our guests every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. Watch uh, Visit twitch.tv forward slash The Modern Romantic to follow us and subscribe. And don't forget to follow our social media channels. Uh, We invite you to share us with a friend, and you know by now what my normal spiel is. Share us with a friend, share us with your brother, share us with your grandma, because she needs a friend too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't. Uh, So, introduction from Emily. Um, We have the incredibly talented harpist, Stephanie Clausen, joining us here today. Uh, Emily met Stephanie at a Renaissance festival. I will not mention how many years because that is distasteful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, they have known each other and uh, been in contact with each other for several years. Stephanie is a working artist, um, has performed across the world and has performed things from Bach all the way up to modern, to Irish and Scottish uh, folk songs and literally everything in including jazz, which I did not (laughs) expect. I did not expect that. Um, But an an incredibly talented harpist, um, Harper, uh, which we'll discuss a little bit later, the difference between those two terms. Please, everybody, Lord and Fae Folk of the Realm, please give it up for Stephanie Clausen. Hello. Yay! No worries. Um, so, Stephanie, um, hi. Hello. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, with anyone, uh, with anyone that comes on to our show, um, really, the first question that I have to ask is, how did you get started? And especially with being a harp, because it's not always like the, one of the most common instruments. So. Mm-hmm. I would love to know how you got started. Yes. So there were a number of things which I don't think are coincidence that sort of combined in my life. Um, My father was working for a company called Music Makers, which is out in Stillwater. Oh, yeah. And they make harp kits. They also make completed harps, but you can build your own kit. So my dad was working as a graphic designer for them. And uh, then a professional harpist, Kathy Victorson, moved in next door to my parents. And so they thought, wow, Rand is working at a company that makes harps. We have two daughters. We have a professional harp teacher living literally across the driveway from our house. They should start taking harp lessons. So I was seven years old and I don't have the story like many harpists have where they saw a harp in a school uh, presentation or a concert and they just said, that's that's it. That's the instrument that I'm going to play. For me, it was more my parents said, you're going to start harp lessons. And I was like, OK, cool. Sounds fun. And so that was when I was seven. And um, I remember enjoying it as a child. 
And then for a while, I thought this is so much fun that I would never want to do this as work. I don't want to spoil it and mess it up with business logistics. And then around the time I got to college, I realized I love this so much that I can't imagine doing anything else for the rest of my life. And uh, my parents were both self-employed. And so they had modeled for me the fact that it's possible to make a living as a self-employed person. And here we are today. <laughs> All right. Better. Okay. I'm just going to talk really loud. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, when I first ran into you at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, I don't know how old you would have been, but your CD mm -hmm. had just come out. So, yes. Oh, that was right at the beginning. Was it? Okay. I was probably 12. Okay. I was going to guess around there, but I'm a terrible yeah. judge of age. <laughs> and um, I was, gosh, I don't know how old I would have been. 20 something. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that was, that was awesome. I remember being so excited because it was the first time I had really supported like an independent artist of any kind. I hadn't bought a CD out at the Renaissance Festival before, and I was just really, I just thought it was cool. Thank you. Yeah. You know, so many people come back to nowadays, just, you know, I bump into people, and they're like, oh, I bought your first CD however many years ago, and that's really fun. That they still remember that, you know? They yeah, were that is cool. And you've, you've done other albums since then? I have, yeah. Um, I don't even know how many. Uh, four, four okay. solo albums, and then a couple of collaborations with people. Okay. Yeah. I uh, believe if I'm reading your, um, if I'm reading the list correctly, the most, uh, do, 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 the most, the newest album. Let me get my English together. Uh, was the Road Home from Sky. Mm hmm. Yes. Yes, I'm very proud of that one because I grew up learning Scottish and Irish music and I had released that album when I was like 11 years old to start working at the Renaissance Festival. And then I did another one when I was 15, also of Scottish and Irish music. And then I kind of did some other stuff and got my degree and I'm working as a professional harpist with quite a bit of Scottish and Irish music in my repertoire. And the only kind of example that I could sell to people was from when I was 15 and I've improved a bit as a harpist since then. I, okay. I, I understand that the harp is like a very large instrument. And when you said that you were seven with this like massive instrument, all I can picture is like tiny thing with just like this massive thing, just like reaching out with giant hands. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Harps come in different sizes, of course. Um, so the one that I started on was slightly, slightly bigger than this harp, which is about five, five feet tall, maybe. And um, we have pictures of me playing that harp then and then pictures of me playing it now. And it's just funny how the proportions seem to have changed. It's kind of an amusing contrast. But often uh, harpists will start with a small, like a, this is called a lever harp. And it's the kind that you would see um, with some, but like a Scottish or Irish music concert, as opposed to a pedal harp, which is the type you would see in a concert hall playing with the orchestra. You know, those are six feet tall. 
Um, they weigh 80 pounds. They're like the the biggest kind you can get, but they do come in all, all different ways. Okay. Mm. Do you have, I imagine you get a lot of requests for songs. Do you, do you take requests? Is that something that you find yourself going, oh, I don't want to play that again? <laughs> or do you have one that's I, a favorite? Either I think Green Sleeves is the most commonly requested oh. one. I do enjoy. I know some harpists who are tired of green sleeves. Um, and then people also love Danny Boy, which I am very tired of Danny Boy. And I would definitely just tell myself you never have to play that, except that if I play in nursing homes, the whole crowd just starts singing and people are crying and they love it. I'm Aww. like, I, I don't have to love the piece to be able to serve them and play it for their sake, right? <laughs> you know? But like, um, oh, what's the other one? Oh, this just shows how, how out of touch I am with modern music. Um, Stairway to Heaven. Okay. Oh, okay. Everybody asked for that one and I listened to it once to see if I wanted to learn it and I just thought, ah, you know, it doesn't really do anything for me so I'm not gonna bother because there are other harpists who play it on YouTube, okay. yeah. <laughs> That's cool that you get such a response to Danny Boy. Yeah, you know, the harp really seems to touch something um, very emotional in people. I'm surprised by how many people just cry when I play for them uh, or have this kind of odd reaction of this is an amazing, beautiful thing that I've never seen in person. You know, and for me, I'm maybe a little bit uh, inured to that because it's just been my life since I was seven. But every so often I get this glimpse, like a, a new harp piece that some other harpist plays. And I feel this like, whoa, that's what it feels like when other people hear the harp for the first time. That's super cool for me. Can, is a harp something you could play by ear? Is that a, is that a thing? Definitely. It tells you what yeah. I know about music. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Like, I imagine if you'd never played the harp before, you couldn't, because you wouldn't know which string was what. But. Well, I think that harp is an interesting instrument because it sounds really nice from the very beginning. Like, if you just walk up to a harp and you pluck a string, you don't really need any special technique to sound nice. Okay. Um, and so if you're learning harp and you've taken two lessons and you've learned a tune, you can play it and it sounds really enjoyable. And then it just kind of has a lot of depth to it. So you can keep improving. I've been playing for 28 years now and I definitely still feel like I am improving. Like I can look back six months ago and I think, wow, I've learned a lot since then. And there's so much that I don't know yet. That's amazing. <laughs> it's encouraging and discouraging at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it can never get old if you, I mean, that's probably not accurate, but it, it, doesn't have to if there's always somewhere to go with it mm -hmm. even yeah. if it is oh danny boy again and again <laughs> as long as people keep crying and singing i think i will still be able to play danny boy <laughs> um speaking of Dan uh green sleeves geez um have you seen anything of six the musical mm, no uh, it's the story of, it's like a, 
in total honesty, it's a fever dream. Um, but it's what if the wives of King Henry the uh, King Henry the Eighth uh, were part of a concert, and oh. they were all performing artists, like and singing pop songs, and each of their songs is like a recap of their life. Oh, wow. Um, the one for Anne Boleyn uh, makes fun of the fact that she wrote green sleeves uh, consistently throughout it. And they'll play like little bits of it throughout her song. Uh, oh. or the song that she sings is just kind of a backdrop to it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it it's worth a listen. It's, you know, it's a, go ahead. Oh, I had always heard that King Henry VIII wrote green sleeves. Did Anne Boleyn write it? I think she actually wrote it, um, oh. but being a woman, they wouldn't really give her credit for that. Sure, that makes sense. Or, well, sort of, I mean, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to the interwebs, uh -huh. it says it probably wasn't written by Henry VIII, but it was said, okay. it, was, it was known at the time, whether it was true or not, that he wrote it for Anne Boleyn but it doesn't mean that he actually wrote it. Okay. So I don't hmm. know. We'll see. We'll, we'll do like a, a fact check on that one or something. <laughs> we'll go to Snopes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a legend and a widely believed legend, but just unproved. So hmm. we'll just go to Snopes. Wikipedia. This is what we need time machines for. Right. We'll go back and investigate. Just go back to Greensleeves-apedia. <laughs> <laughs> which was what like a i don't know the town crier on the side did you know that king henry the eighth <laughs> did not write green sleeves i feel like that might not have been a safe thing to say i mean <laughs> off with your head right right that is the end of you do you still play out at the renaissance festival I haven't for the last few seasons. Okay. I did a total of 15 seasons kind of on and off a couple times, but I'm in an off moment. That's currently. a long time though. Yeah. That's it's really been kind of a, mm, a pivotal. No, it, it's made a lot of impact on my life. We'll say sure. it that way. And is Minnesota the only one you've played at or did you do others? Uh, there's a little one in Wisconsin called Ren in the Glen, mm -hmm. I think one weekend. And so I've done that uh, two years in a row, I think, with my early music ensemble, the Ravenscroft Music Guild. And that was quite fun. Okay, cool. But I think of those two. <laughs> <laughs> and your YouTube channel is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's something I noticed. Um, the, some of the video is really lovely and... I enjoy the, the snow shots and stuff like that. That's cool. I've been enjoying having a little bit more time for that um, these last couple of years as other things have not been going right. like normal. Right. Oh, YouTube. That's a good, good use of time. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way um, to, to get your music out. And mm. I've, I've enjoyed it on YouTube anyway. Yay. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to ask you for a Danny boy. Uh, I'm not asking for green sleeves, but I will ask, is there a piece that you played either recently or in your the span of your career as a harpist that you're like, I'm dying for someone to ask for this? Oh, 
Goodness. Um, well, I feel like often I just play what I want, regardless of what people ask me for. <laughs> but I can tell you my, my go-to piece that I have when people say, oh, you play the harp, play something for me, is the Star of the County Down. It's a traditional Irish tune. I don't know if you would care to hear it. I would. I don't know if I've heard A little it. bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, let's see. I'm hoping the mic doesn't buzz too much because it's set for speaking. Okay. But I'll just do a short, a short version. favorite tune it's lasted for the last 20 years 28 years no I haven't known it that long about 25 years um, <laughs> of people saying oh can you play something for me that's the one and it doesn't really get old for me maybe someday it will and I'll get a new one but for now it's still good <laughs> that's great do you play every day then like do you try to get harp time in all the every day or do you take breaks I definitely take breaks. My rule for my students is six days a week because I think that seventh day off is just healthy, yeah. um, both mentally and physically, because I've had some tendonitis issues before. But also I'm not a very, um, uh, I'm, I'm a disciplined person, but I prefer to be disciplined when I'm motivated to do that particular thing. So occasionally I'm motivated to work on uh, arranging or music editing. And so I'll spend days just working on what the music looks like on the sheet music and not even touch my harp. Uh, and then other times I will not do any of my emails and I will just spend all the time practicing because <laughs> that's what I'm motivated to do. And since I'm self-employed, that pretty much works more or less. Occasionally there are, there are um, yeah, crunch time where it's like, wow, you really have to practice an hour today. And if you don't, you're going to just be terrified tomorrow. That's a good motivator, too. <laughs> sure. So you do teaching as well? Yeah, I have a private studio that I run out of my home and I have about 20 students, kind nice. of give or take. Yeah, nice. I really enjoy it. One thing I would like to know, and um, you know how like violinists have um, go in awe of the Stradivarius. Is there mm -hmm. a particular like harp or style of harp or 
manufacturer of harps that you're just like, if I could just get my hands on one of those, I, that, that, that's my dream. So many, so many. <laughs> All right, let's there. talk money's no object. Oh, goodness. What, what would you pick? Details, what, what do you want? Well, so it'd have to be money and space is no object because I do currently have uh, seven harps they're all small, small harp, you know, smallish harps. Um, but so if I had an extra room to store all the additional harps I would love to own. Uh, there was a lady in Wisconsin recently that was selling a beautiful old harp that was kind of a mix of gold and black. And it was a pedal harp like you would see it in an orchestra. But I believe it was actually a single action pedal harp, meaning that it was like from, oh goodness, the 1800s. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and you can't, well, I wouldn't be able to use it for gigs, really, because I, I wouldn't be able to play the modern repertoire that I'm used to playing on it. Um, but I could use it for Jane Austen YouTube videos, and it would be period accurate. Oh, yeah. And so that yeah, that's one of the things I love to do is play music from Jane Austen movies or from the um, Regency time period, and I love to dress up and make YouTube videos. And one of the anachronisms is that my pedal harp is a very modern pedal harp that any harpist knows was made within the last twenty years, and um, nobody else knows, but the harpists know. Sure. And so I would love to have a beautiful antique harp that's still playable yeah Do people, and the black and gold oh the black and gold is a color combination that i really love that sounds amazing mm -hmm. do people loan or rent out harps like let's say you just wanted to use it for one night is that something that exists yeah it okay. depends on your area you know, if you're in a big city you're a lot more likely to be able to find somebody but there are definitely just whole sections of the world where it would be a lot of work to get your hands on a harp. Oh, I imagine. But like, let's pretend for a second that you wanted to do, <laughs> Trey knows what I'm doing. Let's pretend for a second that you wanted to do a Jane Austen photo shoot with a mm. harp that would be period accurate. Mm -hmm. And you didn't want to buy said harp because that was, mm -hmm somehow extraordinary or exorbitant and so mm -hmm. it made sense to maybe use it for a, a day or borrow yes. it or rent it or whatever they do yeah you definitely i'm sure you could you would just need to find a harpist that is excited about that idea right you know yeah and make sure it's insured <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes sorry this is a a podcast about romanticism we shouldn't be talking about insurance but <laughs> no, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, because our next question is so we're doing a uh, photo shoot in a castle do you uh, want <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you might have heard that oh on some of the other episodes <laughs> mm, sorry some probably 100 percent of all of them I can't think of one that it didn't come up, but I'm sure. Or maybe like the, it didn't come up until we did the Rhinus one. So, 
Whatever happened before that. Okay. Fair enough. If Mark See, and Elva, if you're watching, we don't know what life was before you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephanie. I feel like, no, no, that's, um, I'm always walking around old church buildings and like historical stone buildings in the Twin Cities and kind of seeing like, okay, if I put my camera here, you can't see the emergency exit sign or that parking lot. And that would look like a medieval castle or something, you know, or you can just crop it a little bit. Definitely. I have pictures of, of old buildings where I'm like, I'm coming back here someday to do a photo. Yeah. Shoot. We're going to have to go to the Twin Cities, Trey. Mm. Uh, yes. <laughs> there are so many old churches that are in the Twin Cities that I just want to go in just for the acoustics. Yeah. Um, there's there's something about walking into a place that has um, marble flooring, has these high, high sculpted archways um, and like stone on the outside. Mm -hmm. There's something about when you walk into that, it's like almost walking back in time. Just mm -hmm. ignore the exit signs, ignore some of the more modern functionalities and just stand there and just listen for a second. Yeah. And it's it is like going back in time. Absolutely. What's mm. one of the coolest places you've played? Oh, one of the coolest places. Like they say things like, have you heard of the Red Rock Amphitheater? Like they say that's yeah. a really cool place to play because, and that's not in the cities. It's somewhere like New Mexico or something. I don't remember. Mm. Um, mm. Forgive me. I don't remember where it is. I'll have to look that up. But it's one of those places where the sound reverberates off the rock. And there's another place like that up near um, Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina where oh. they've brought in acts for the uh, Highland Games. And they'll bring in like a Scottish drumming, uh, like Albanock or some of these other Scottish bands that'll play. Um, and the way the sound reverberates off the mountain and off the rock is like, phenomenal and so i didn't know if like you had like a cool cathedral that you played in or any place like that where it's been just uh, it did something to the sound that was so cool yeah i see in the comments archer uh has mentioned carnegie hall that is actually on my uh goals list i've sung in carnegie hall as part of a 300 voice choir which was an experience um but i would love to be able to play harp someday it hasn't happened yet but I probably have time. <laughs> um, recently, actually, I played, it was for a wedding at the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, and they had this lovely terrace off the tea room that was made completely of stone, and you're kind of just looking out over a whole bunch of trees and this path that goes down to this little hidden waterfall, and things are covered in moths. And the sunlight was just kind of dappled on the terrace. And I thought, this is probably my favorite place that I've played. Not necessarily for the sound, but just because it felt like it was uh, this beautiful setting that didn't necessarily feel like it was part of the 21st century to me. You know, I love that when you can imagine yourself back in time. Yeah, I love that too. That's awesome. We'll have to get you involved with that castle shoot then. Stealing the castle library. The whole castle. Game. Yes, cool. Um, we'll, we'll let you know. And you know Emily. Um, she was Emily Schmink, but now she's Emily 
is it Tag? Taggy. Yeah, ta- Taggy. That, thank you, yes. Because she plays the harp, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she's part of the reason that we exist the way we do here on this podcast. She probably, really? She probably doesn't even realize it. Oh, that's so fun. Sorry, my throat's really dry. Yeah, when we were first starting out as a magazine, she went to school for, like, graphic design. And I knew this. And so I wrote to her one day because we had gotten flat out rejected by a publisher. That was fun. <laughs> what was I saying? So Emily helped me with the graphic design, like, with the layout of the magazine so that we could have it published. She kind of just taught me some basics so that I could go ahead and do the layout myself because I do. Oh, that's yeah. Yes. And so then it kind of morphed into being a podcast and like I took her the things she taught me and turned it into like some of the graphics that we use for the show. And yeah, so she was a huge help. Yeah. yeah. She actually, um, she taught me how, well, she designed my website. If oh, anybody yes. goes to my website, stephanieclausen.com, Emily Taggy designed most of it. And then she also taught me how to maintain it myself. Oh, nice. So she's a wonderful teacher and friend and has just a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> Another connection from the past. Yeah. Yeah. We still get together and jam sometimes, you know. Oh, couple different tunes and um she plays a couple different instruments as well so we have a good time we'll have to invite her to the castle as well we (laughs) should do that so you understand that we're going to show up to this castle with like 200 people to be (laughs) like um we're like we're here for a photo shoot goodbye Mm -hmm. that's gonna be a (laughs) wild day because there will be I mean, I think we already decided that it needs to be like a whole weekend, but I mean, you're, you're right. It's now, we're probably up into the hundreds and it's a photo shoot, but I, there's no, well, we have Joy Marshall. There are probably other photographers we'll be, have to have there because there's no way I can handle all that. And, uh, well, at least hopefully we'll have two harpists mm-hmm. and one lousy liar, but a good singer. Uh (laughs) i don't know i but i think um i think we could pull it off it'll just be like our own little renaissance festival that's what i was thinking it sounds like a festival yep or a reenactor weekend or something like that yeah with a bunch of photos (laughs) that end up happening (laughs) do you Um, oh go ahead is there um, I was looking at your website, and I, I've seen a couple of people that are inspirations to you, which I'll talk about afterwards. Um, but I want to know, are there any currently performing artists or harpists or harpers um, that you find yourself listening to? Mm, a lot of Scottish harpists at the moment. Um, yeah, like Pippa Reed Foster, Maeve Gilchrist. Ailey Robertson, uh, Karina Hewitt, they're all Scottish um, people doing really cool things with trad music, traditional Scottish music, but then kind of adding a modern element or their own flair into it, whether that's kind of minimalism or jazz influence or just 
um, I'm really a fan of kind of creating textures on the harp where it's not just mm -hmm. you know the melody and then chords underneath of it, but how can I get this idea of the sun coming over the meadow at dawn? Well, I'm just going to have this little little, and then. Maybe Gilchrist does a lot of stuff like that. Super fun. Cool. It reminds me a lot of like, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a butterfly moment. A thought was there and then it just poof. Um, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, but how, how does jazz make its way into a harp? And how does that kind of, what does that sound like? Mm hmm uh, with great difficulty, is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, um, I think most of my jazz music that I've played has been a result of people requesting pieces for their weddings, because I did a lot of weddings for quite a while. And people would say, oh, can you play, um, oh, what are even examples? Um jazz pieces that people like <laughs> and I would have to figure out how to translate them to the harp. So some of that is just the, the rhythm, like being able to feel a groove. And for me, it's sort of like, you need to have this very steady pulse and then your melody needs to be able to kind of slide all over it. It's not lining up exactly the way it would with classical music, but it's more like um, just a free, entity that can kind of, well, it's going to come a little bit before the beat or a little bit after the beat. Mm -hmm. And you just have to let that happen. Um, but then also there's a chromatic element where you need to be able to change keys and throw in sharps and flats spur of the moment. And that doesn't quite come naturally on the harp. So there, there are a few geniuses that can really just play jazz on the harp and they know it so well that they can improvise. But I think most people, most harpists really are, are calculating, like I'm in this key and then I need to add these sharps or flats in order to get to that key and modulate. And then I have this chord and it all gets quite technical actually. <laughs> Do you find yourself writing a lot of your own music? You know, it's a goal. It's something that I'd like to do more of. And I've kind of dipped my toe in during COVID. That first month of COVID, I wrote more music than I had written in my entire life. Um, I didn't finish all those pieces, but I got you know, a good start on a whole lot. of. It's something that's difficult for me because I play something and I think, oh, I've heard that before. It doesn't feel new. Hmm. It feels kind of kind of trite. And so I'm working on just doing it. You know, it doesn't need to be a brilliant piece. Like the third or fifth piece that I write doesn't need to be a masterpiece. I need to, you know, put in the time to become good at writing pieces that don't strike me as kind of blasé or cliche. I've been working on it. It sounds like a logical next step from my perspective, but not, not everybody has that. So it's, it's kind of neat to hear that it's a goal of yours because I would mm. love to hear what you would, would come up with. 
Oh, thank you. I have a lot of wonderful titles. I have a list of like, oh, that would make a great title for a tune. And then I just have to write the tune. I I can totally relate to that because I have a lot of really great town and character names for the novel I'm going to write one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but no uh, no plot line. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> can relate. Uh, I will throw out a. This might be good for like a laugh. Um, one of the inspirations I saw on your website was Hildegard von Bingen. Mm-hmm. Um, which I got very accustomed to listening to their their masterpieces when I was in uh, when I was in music school. Um, there is a YouTube artist <laughs> that goes oh. by the name Hildegard von Blingen. Yes, I am familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it for those who don't know much about it, Hildegard von Blingen uh, takes modern pop tunes and then adapts it into what she calls bard or what they call bardcore um and so they do a lot of uh very medieval style um uh the adaptations of things and they rewrite some of the lyrics to make them more uh of the period that they're going for it's hilarious to listen to some of these songs because i think they did like baby got back and how they made that work was just hysterical yeah so it's really high quality music also there's some heart playing in there and i've been consistently impressed and i i just think it's so clever all, all the adaptations it's really a thing of beauty what is something that inspires you to play is there something that like something that's not just if i don't practice today i'm going to be nervous tomorrow Something beyond mm-hmm. that that really inspires you, like, I just need to go. I just need to mm-hmm. go play. Does that exist? Or I just need to, like, you have a tune in your head and you just need to go get that out. Is Absolutely. That, yeah? Yeah. I, I can think of just a number. Like, okay, um, terror is a good motivation, <laughs> you know. Yes. As, as a performer, just, like, fear of, oh, I'm going to not play well is definitely a motivation, but uh, consistently seeing other good musicians, they don't even have to be heart players. Any concert that I go to, I sort of wish that I had a magic exit button um, to just go and kind of take a moment out of time and practice and then just pop right back in. Like I listen to one song, I'm like, okay, I wanna go play my harp now. Can I just pause the world and do that and then come back? Um, and then I think there are some, I don't know, like the weather, sometimes if it's just one of those beautiful moody days where there are really interesting clouds and rain or mist, uh, or wind that really makes me want to just go and, and either play ancient Scottish tunes or make up my own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Watching Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I can relate to that. I've never wanted to go play a harp after that, but it definitely, <laughs> definitely is um, a mood and I'm here for it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. That's my favorite. <laughs> now, harps are not very portable. So, I mean, ideally, you could just go on a massive hike somewhere and find yourself lost in the wilderness and you would just pull out your harp 
and play. And that would be the ideal. Um, right. Just pull but, it right out <laughs> of your pocket or whatever. Right. Your Mary Poppins bag or right. something. <laughs> it's too I have the. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, some of my music videos were inspired because I found the perfect spot when I was going on a walk or a bike ride or something. I thought, oh, wow, that just looks like a different place. And then I have to kind of calculate, okay, where's the closest place that I can bring the car? And then what is the smallest harp I can use to play this piece that I need to, you know, so I've definitely walked through um, some woods for a good like mile with my harp. And it's not very romantic because you're just taking frequent breaks and kind of moving the harp from shoulder to the other shoulder, <laughs> back to the first shoulder. And you have your camera gear and everything. Um, but it's worth it. You know, you get that moment in the middle where you're just like, yeah, here I am playing in the forest and it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you get there. And then yeah. everybody who sees the video doesn't know what it took to make it. Um, <laughs> so tell me what one of the most fulfilling things for, is for you. Uh, I worded that poorly. What is one of the more fulfilling things for you with playing? Like, is it something like, oh, Danny boy, where you're, you're moving your audience or do you have something about playing that is the most fulfilling for you? Mm. Or maybe it's teaching. That's up to you. See, this is why I'm like, yes, it's good that I'm a professional harpist because there are many things actually, and I'm having a hard time thinking this is the most. Um, there's definitely an adrenaline rush that comes from giving a solo concert. Uh, and I've been doing more of those in the last few years. And I just really enjoy being able to create this curated hour, hour and a half of music that I love. And then seeing the response afterwards from people uh, who say that, you know, the things that really get me excited also get them excited. That, that's a really wonderful thing. Like I can just do what I love and then other people are just like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has an appreciation for that. Those moments. Mm -hmm. cool. Do you play? Music from Lord of the Rings? I do. Yes. That's Actually, yeah, I have all of the books. Even like today with a harp student, she was like, you said you play some Lord of the Rings music. Could I learn some of that? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Some of it is really difficult on the harp because it's written for the orchestra, obviously, and it changes key which is just something that's hard to do on the harp. But I think it was a major factor in me um, getting better at some, you know, just technically difficult things on the harp because I was so motivated. I'm going to learn this music. You know, I'm going to learn the um, Gandalf's Lament, which has some accidentals and stuff and the Rohirrim theme or the March of the Ents. The March of the Ents changes key so many times. It's just this epic crescendo and it keeps kind of modulating up and up and up and up. And as the harpist, you have to change all these levers or pedals if you have a pedal harp. Um, it's a lot of work, but I was very motivated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so glad uh, you were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my question talking about Lord of the Rings 
if there was one character or like a group of characters that you could just pull out of the books and have as your audience, who would you pull out of the books and make them part of your audience? Oh, an audience. I've never thought of that in my life. You know, I was going to say Pippin and Mary, but then I was thinking they might not listen. They might not enjoy my music, but I think Frodo would really enjoy. He's, he's like more thoughtful. He doesn't necessarily need like high energy. Fireworks. And you know, harp, <laughs> a harp concert, um, people are often like, oh, that's so soothing, which can sometimes be annoying to me because I want people to come away enthusiastic and excited and like, wow, that Irish jig she played was really energetic. And they're like, oh, I play this CD when I go to sleep at night. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, that's, it's helping them sleep. I'm glad, I'm glad for that too. <laughs> but yeah, I would go with Frodo, I think. Yeah. I wouldn't mind Gandalf. I'd take Gandalf as well. Oh, I was going to say Gandalf. <laughs> you could, I think you should be able to choose multiple characters. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, Gandalf and Frodo together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. At your private <laughs> concert. <laughs> For in, Would you hold that in, what city would you hold that in? Would you hold it in the Shire then, or like Rivendell, or? Oh. Where would you Yeah, like you know. Play? This is maybe a little trivial, but I might feel slightly odd in the Shire because I'm 6'1". Oh. And so, you know, I just might feel a little bit more at home in Rivendell. I think that yeah. would be a lovely option. <laughs> I, I can see that. Oh, um, some friends of mine were doing a recreation of the Prancing Pony at Convergence oh. years ago. Uh -huh. And so they invited me to play harp in their party room. And I had an elf costume, and so I dressed up as um, an elf. And my job was to play harp and make everybody else look short. I was like, I can do these two things. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I've always wanted to visit the Shire. I feel like that would be something, that's one place I'd like to go mm. one day, even if it really is just New Zealand. And Yeah. <laughs> but I never thought of the height thing. It never occurred to me that I would maybe be tall. Have you been there? Has I haven't. I it's definitely on my list, though. I imagine it's like it's shorter because they built it for you know the hobbits. But well, no, maybe they built it for the two? They built it for the regular actors because they didn't have to be small when they were in the Shire. They could be regular yeah, it's size. To scale with the real actors. So it's probably regular. I never thought that of that. Might, <laughs> that it might actually be able to fit at six foot four. <laughs> All right. So I'm the shortest of the three of us. At, at like 5'8". So That's Stephanie and I yet. will stand on either side of you, and that, that way you'll feel extra short. Yes. Can we all be elves? Can we do that? We can oh, all be yes. elves? I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. I have fabric in my basement. I, I love to sew also, but I love to thrift. So usually I'm thrifting fabric and just I assemble fabric in that way in order to make a costume. So I have like the sleeves and maybe the collar piece of my future elf costume in the basement. I haven't gotten like the body of the dress yet because, you know, when do you find five yards of velvet at a thrift store? I'm just Ooh, waiting. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I did actually find a 1980s, um, and yes, specifically 1980s wedding dress randomly on sale at my local Goodwill. Um, was it, it was just standing. <laughs> it was not velvet, oh. but it was definitely some sort of like white silk of some kind with like the veil that had these massive white roses still in them. <laughs> anyway, just random things about uh, thrifting. You bought it, didn't yes. you? Oh, absolutely. I wear it every night. <laughs> and then I go like terrorize people as the gray lady. Oh, gray lady. <laughs> if I find some massive amounts of velvet, I don't know who to contact then. You know, once I did see on Craigslist, um, or as a friend of mine, I think, who saw the ad, somebody was selling theater curtains. Um, but it was like massive amounts, and you had to take the whole thing. And we just felt like we weren't equipped to deal with it at the moment. And I have definitely regretted it since then. That's a lot of velvet. You yeah. might be able to take what you want and resell the rest. Oh, you know, that didn't even occur to me. That would have been a good idea. You know, there's actually a fabric outlet that's here and they actually sell velvet sometimes. Mm. Um, is there a particular color that you're looking for? I like dark blues or burgundies. Um, Is that that place on 77 we used to drive by all the time? Yes. Is it still open? Yes. <laughs> that place was awesome. We got the best fabric there. Uh, they don't know um, what they have. They're like, oh, we just sell for curtains and stuff, like interior decor. And then you find like really amazing, amazing mm. fabrics in there because they don't, they don't know that that they could market to Ren people yeah, or yeah. costumers or cosplayers or. Um, I'll st I actually need to go shopping for some fabric of my own. So I'll actually stop in uh, later this weekend. And if I see like a dark blue or like a, um, you know, that's not too stiff, um, mm -hmm. I'll send the information to Emily and uh, I, maybe you can get okay. to some it. Might be a little closer to my elf costume. Very cool. <laughs> Or if we have any um, any listeners who uh, happen to be swimming in velvet, let us know. Send mm -hmm. us an email to swimminginvelvet at the mod. No, that email doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> which one exists? Uh, please sponsor us. We love you at themodrom.com. I can promise you'll get some sort of Lord of the Rings themed YouTube harp video out of it. Oh, that'd be so cool. I'm wondering where the piece that I was playing for my harp student earlier today went. I cleaned my studio between then and now. <laughs> if, if you need to get up, you can. Hmm. I want to know if... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do what you need to do. Do you want to hear a little bit of this? Um, this is the King of the Golden Hall. Ooh. Yes. Yes, we do. Thank you. I'm not going to play the whole thing, though, because it gets complicated at the end. <laughs> Let's see here.
Thank you for feeding my soul. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I just, yeah, right after the movies came out, I, I was a freshman in high school when the first movie came out. Okay. And I just feel like my entire high school experience was permeated by Lord of the Rings. And I was making um, costumes and playing the music and talking about it with friends and going to see the movies and reading the books and going on long walks in the forest. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we went to the one, there was a theater in Woodbury, Minnesota, and we showed up in costume for it, like a whole bunch of us. And there was, um, there were guys in armor and I made this big, long train Arwen dress and, um, a whole bunch of us went and the theater manager came out to talk to us and thanked us for dressing up because it was a really fun night. And, uh, I remember. It sounds fantastic. That was what? 2000? Year 2000, 2001. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my harp is a little out of tune. We could I not know. tell. No. Okay, I could tell. I'm sure hopefully you could tell. Most people weren't bothered. <laughs> That's one of the benefits of having played at the Renaissance Festival, actually, because, um, you know, it's outside. You're just outside the entire day long, and the harp changes pitch depending on whether it's getting hot or cold. And oh. so you're tuning all day long, but you can't keep it in perfect tune you know, harps, they really do go out of tune quite, quite quickly. And so um, you do just get used to playing in an out of tune harp more than other people. That's a lot of strings to tune too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can you do it by ear? Uh, I could if it, if I had to, but it's a lot less time and effort. I just have an electronic tuner that I use. Um, and it's pretty hard for me if there's any other sound going on, or especially if there's other music. Um, you know, I play in orchestras sometimes now. And one thing I've had to just tell myself, you know, tune your heart before any of the other musicians start playing. And then no matter what your ears tell you, once everybody starts kind of, you know, warming up, just ignore it. You, you can't trust your ears once you've got a room full of people playing in all the different keys that there are, yeah. you know, you just got to go with it at that point. Is that the same for singing too, Trey? Yes. I sing in all the different keys. And then, um, <laughs> I just don't, I go to my vocal. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, um, for me, if I'm trying to think through something, like if I'm trying to sing it in my head and there's other music that's going on, you almost have to block out everything else in order just to focus on what you are specifically singing. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you're in the moment, you have to be like, so in the moment and not distracted by anything else that if you do like, Oh, there's a butterfly, then you're like, wait, where was I? So it's a lot of like, oh, I'm trying to say this, a lot of filtered um, ignorance of other things. Okay. It sounds like it takes a lot of self-control, like focus. You have to kind of control what you're listening to. Yeah. And then you're like, um, when you're having to emote with somebody in the scene, you're like, okay, don't punch them in the face. I'm just going to caress their face now. Don't sing too loudly in their face. They have damage in their right ear. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is like what's going on behind the magic at the moment. There's violence in the opera chorus. 
<laughs> I need to punch Steve later because he stepped on my costume. I had a very, a very quick story. Um, so I was performing in a relatively new opera in the chorus and the, the tenor that they were bringing in um, still had not arrived. Um, he was flying in from Paris uh, just off the tails of performing in yet another production. So mm. um, ha didn't have a stand in for something. And they're like, can we just have a male volunteer? All you need to do is just lay here as she sings and just pretend that you're dead. And I was like, <laughs> me, 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 done. So I go and I lay in this person's lap. What they didn't tell me and what I didn't realize is that she would be singing um, between a high C and a high E fairly consistently for about a solid 10 to 15 seconds. And this young lady had such strong vocal cords of steel that these were not just like light, airy sorts of sounds. It was like full blast in my face, about <laughs> two feet away from my face. And we get done with the scene and she just goes, are you okay? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about that, but if you have to project to your audience, this, I think this moment just told me how much I could not do that job. <laughs> I would, if I was her, I would, even if I could sing that well, I think I would just be like singing in your face and I would start laughing because there's no way I could get through that. But just imagining like, uh, to correlate that back to the harp, uh, like correlating that and just make little sonic booms every time that you plucked one of the strings of the harp and just like have someone like pelted with like sonic <laughs> booms. That's kind of what I felt like I experienced. I love that idea. You know, um, I'm just going to go off on a tangent here, but it is inspired by what you just said. Um, in fantasy novels, oftentimes harps have this like magical power, like they are used as a weapon uh, to subdue the evil wizard or to protect the magic shield over our hero or heroine or something. And so the idea of being able to just do sonic booms kind of like, bam, bam, bam. I love, I mean, that would be great. I, I would never use them, but just knowing that I could. <laughs> Maybe just as a distraction, not like as a weapon. Yeah, there you go. Maybe that Or like standing okay. in very close to the, the giant speakers at a, at a concert, you know, where you can literally feel mm. the uh, sound waves. That's kind of a, not necessarily a harm, well, in the short term, not a harmful <laughs> experience, but it's a interesting mm -hmm. sensation talking about just like sonic booms and the kind of the way that you have to use harps and things again this is a little bit more of my ignorance speaking but is there ever such thing as like a prepared harp kind of how there is a prepared piano sometimes mm -hmm. yeah i guess i haven't heard that well have i heard that term you can do different special effects where you're like weaving a piece of paper through the strings so usually you've got this bell tone but if you put a piece of paper suddenly you're getting more of a percussion hang on just a sec i'm just weaving a tiny piece of paper like down low at the bottom of the strings Interesting. Oh. and this this piece of paper is a little too thick you need something that's like half an inch 
wide, ideally. And then you just get that kind of That's a percussive very sound. sound. Yeah, it's almost it, at least through the speak in the through the mic and the speaker, it's almost timpani or steel drum. Mm. Yeah. And um you can do like uh harmonics let's see where is that harmonic oh that's neat that's not really a prepared thing but it's just a special effect and then there's a xylophone effect where you can press the tips of your fingers right down at the very base of the strings and let's see here normally it sounds like this okay but my fingers are just like tiny bit on the string at the very bottom the vibration is different yeah, it's like kind of a cute sound. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to do, so you don't get it in a lot of pieces because you need both hands to be doing oh, sure. just those noises. And usually you want to be playing the melody with your right hand. And then most often the left hand is doing all the accompaniments. So it's nice to have that free so you can just get a fuller sound. What I'm really excited to do in the future, I have, like I said, about 20 harp students, and every spring we do a harp ensemble for our spring recital. And then you've got a whole bunch of hands and a whole bunch of harps, and so you can kind of have one section of the students doing some sort of cool effect or texture or even like percussion drumming on the soundboard. And then other people can be doing melody and other people can be doing chords and you can switch off. And I think that appeals to me more because then you've got just a richer texture, got more going on. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. A room of harps, like dueling harps. Yeah. Different, <laughs> different methods of sound. Mm -hmm. How, so as you're teaching these, these young minds and young harpists and um, et cetera, how, what are some things that you do to that you encourage them to challenge them. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave my question at that. What do you do to, what are some things that you do to challenge your students? I think every individual has kind of a, a, a default in terms of how they play harp. Like I have some students who tend to play really aggressively and so for that student or those students, I'm encouraging them to explore music that requires them to be a little bit more subtle in their dynamics or like a slow air where they need to really be emotional and just, you know, these two notes need to be slightly different in dynamic. You know, you can't just bulldoze your way through it. And then I have other students who are just very gentle and very delicate and everything just feels pleasant. And I'm like, okay, let's put some energy into it. Let's pick something fast and really dig, you know, use the weight of your arms to get those accents in there. Um, yeah, so I, I can't really say this is one thing that's hard for everybody because there are just some students that blow me away with their ability, say, to play by ear. I have a couple students right now where um, I'm just teaching them by ear because they can pick it up. They can pick up very difficult music in a short amount of time um, without even needing to see the music on the page. Wow. 
which is so not me. I, I need to see that I'm, I'm growing in, in being able to learn by ear. It's something I'm improving in as well over time. But I started out reading sheet music. And so that's much more my comfort zone. Yeah. But I think also um, the one thing I'd love for my students to do is more listening of music, just to have more uh, examples of great instrumentalists, vocalists, and to be inspired. Hopefully it has the same influence on them that it has on me, you know, listening to good music makes me want to make good music. Yeah. And a lot of, that's actually something that um, a, my voice teachers and uh, directors and those that are in the music world, um, we find ourselves emulating other people very subtly at times. There are things and tips and tricks that we pick up along the way that then become our style. Mm. So through listening to others, you find things that you like. So maybe those more um, more timid players might be a little bit more forceful because they're like, oh, I heard this really nice bolero and I really like the um, mm. the way that they styled this or something. So to anyone who's listening, um, we also encourage you to listen to many, 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 many styles of music, including the many albums of our guest here tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Subtle plug. And her entire YouTube channel. <laughs> and her entire YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. That's right. There are a lot of different styles of music on there. I'm not very selective i just go with the next project that i feel inspired to do on the youtube channel so there's a kind of mixed bag sure well, it's perfect do you have any big dream projects or like something you'd love to make happen someday mm, uh i think right now i have a couple albums that i'd like to record and i'm just not ready yet i'd love to do another um cd of hymns actually because there are a lot of beautiful melodies. And I think there's a lack of creative arrangements for hymns right now. Um, a lot of them are just a little too straightforward for me. I want that to be just kind of a different take. Um, I want to do a fairy CD. Oh. It's kind of a, there, there are a lot of traditional tunes that have like the fairy king or the queen of the fairies or um, just various tune names that I find interesting and then also tunes that may not be titled about fairies but for me it makes me think of fairies or like an enchanted wood yeah. or you know the veil growing thin between the worlds you know there are just some pieces that strike you a certain way and you have this feeling associated with them or a mood or an atmosphere and I have a number of pieces in my repertoire that I'd love to just gather together and put on an album. Um, but I'm not ready yet. I just have a little bit more work. So in the next 10 years, I'm hoping to have those two right. out. Those sound amazing. And they sound like they would both be well-received and popular. At least from I think my so. opinion. Yeah. I think my other goal, which is very unspecific, is just that uh, I would be invited to perform in more places around the world uh, in a way that it would be financially feasible for me to go there with my harp or to find a harp there, you know. But I would love to use my, my career as a way to travel the world. Yeah. Have you traveled with your harp before? 
Um, the most I've traveled with my harp was down to South Carolina, actually. Oh, hmm. I drove for a, um, the Princess Margaret of the Isles harp competition with this Scottish harp competition last spring down in Charleston. Okay. So, and I was too scared to fly. I thought it would be so much quicker to fly, but I, you know, you read kind of mixed stories about flying with harps and some people say that I had no problem and other people were like the flight attendants last minute said that I couldn't bring it on even though I had gotten all the permissions and printed the things and bought the extra ticket. And so I just drove <laughs> less stress. And yeah, you don't have to think about it then. Yeah. And let's also point out that you were a finalist in that. Congratulations. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. I was very proud to be, um, listed amongst those other harpists. It was a great honor. And and probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done, um, but also extremely exhilarating. They kind of go hand in hand. Congratulations, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and then other places that I've been, I've just borrowed a harp. You know, you kind of email ahead or you post on fa Facebook and you say, I'm gonna be in Pittsburgh for such and such a weekend, does anybody have a harp that's similar to this size or model? And the harp community is small enough that um, I just think it's it's lovely. Like the vast majority of harpists in the entire world that I've ever had contact with or even seen you know, them posting on social media, it's a very lovely group of people um, with not too much squabbling. So I enjoy that's that. Great. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to have a supportive community that's friendly, mm -hmm. you know, I like that. That's pretty great. Yeah. And we have a lot of people who come to the harp later in life, actually, because uh, they'll have wanted, especially um, like when people re retire, they finally have some extra time, maybe some disposable income, and they can finally fulfill their lifelong dream of playing the harp, you know, that they never had time or money for earlier. So there's a huge community of adult learners who are playing like folk harp, uh, Celtic melodies. And that's really fun, fun to see as well. Yeah. Dare I ask, should someone want to purchase their own harp? What would be a decent price for something that is um, like a nice, mid-grade to slash starter harp that they could get? Entry level. Hmm? Yeah. Um, a lot of people start with lap harps, you know, that are like two and a half to three feet tall um, because they are cheaper. You could get a lap harp for like 500 or $600, um, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, but those are harder to play because they move around. You're kind of having to hold them to yourself and do all of the mechanics. So I do recommend beginners buy a floor harp and I'd say $2,000 is the absolute minimum. Um, a nice harp would be like four to $5,000 for this um, like four to five foot tall one, which is kind of the average uh, lever harp. If you're talking pedal harps for orchestra, if you want to play in an orchestra or if you're really into jazz music, um, I don't even know, maybe $10,000 is the cheapest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Oops. then if you want the full size, 
which is kind of the professional, if you want to be a professional, the cheapest one is like $22,000 <laughs> or was when I bought it like 10 years ago. So it's probably a lot more now, actually. <laughs> so Hello. Harps, oh, go ahead, Trey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to make a joke. Um, so car or new floor heart. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> And, you know, actually, I just measure everything in numbers of harps that you could buy. So people are talking about, I am buying this new house or I got this new fancy convertible. And I'm like, wow, that's three pedal harps. Or, wow, I could buy 12 harps for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The new measuring system. I, I used to do that in plane tickets. Mm. I, could buy, I could buy a trip to here with that kind of money or a trip to there with that kind of money. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a trip to the UK for two whole weeks, kind of harp. <laughs> that's a trip yeah. to the Giants Causeway. <laughs> oh, I was just reading a book about that the other day. Oh, yeah. It's a fiction book, and they're talking about the, the myth of how it got started, the giant. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I haven't seen that in person yet. I say yet because mm. I want to make it happen someday. Yes, mm -hmm. that is one place I have been to, and oh. it was lovely. Yes, it looks like it kind of looks like if you step on some of those different levels, that they would move. And maybe that's just yes. video game brain. Do they move? No, they don't. Oh, but okay. I had the exact same like feeling about them, like they ought to, or they would. Yeah, like it yeah. Would, like like it's um, not that it would have a spring underneath, but it's almost like. Gears. Yeah, like if or, you step on the right combination, it would open a thing somewhere. Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones level. Absolutely. Like a pathway up to Scotland. That's actually, that feels in keeping with the myth. Mm. Like that there just be like this giant causeway that would rise out of the ocean or the sea and you could just walk to Scotland. So cool. <laughs> what are you thinking, Trey? Lots of things. Um, <laughs> that it is a dangerous territory. Uh, do not enter. <laughs> <laughs> but if you must know, the the image of... I've played so many video games where that, that thing has happened where you're on the side of like some cliff or something and they have this obscure organ or something like that. And I just imagine that this video game character interaction like sitting down to a heart and just like... Press X to play the heart. <laughs> and then having this massive, like, staircase just, like, leading you up to the big bad evil guy. I love that idea. <laughs> Video game developers, make this happen. Yes. Yes. It's Cubert, Giant's Causeway Edition. But you should talk, <laughs> if you're doing this, you should talk to a real harpist and not trust photos on the internet of how a harp ought to be played. <laughs> because, yeah, there are some interesting ones out there. <laughs> there are. I never even thought of that. Have you seen the ones with, like, the people, uh, the videos of the stock images of people, like, typing on their computer? And they go and they see, like, what are they actually typing? And it's just, like, FG, FG, T, R, 5, they're not actually typing or, words. Like, there's one of a someone holding a soldering iron, and they're holding it, like, a pencil near the tip. And you're like, that oh, would, that's a positive. It would be very hot. Yes, yes. That level of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
got the harp upside down or something. <laughs> yes. Now, how, <laughs> here's a great question. What is one sentence that would make the entire harp community up, just flip over a table in anger? <laughs> oh, <laughs> in anger. Oh, I'm not sure. Outrage. Even. Um, my idea that I haven't told you about yet. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. That's that's kind of a difficult one for me. Um, I I think the closest. Well, no, I don't know. Something that is a little bit annoying is is the connection between angels and harps, which is a very strong connection and people often associate the two, which is fine. Um, but then you end up having a lot of conversations with people about the same same thing and it just, it stops being interesting after a while and you'd like to talk about other things. Um, Do you get you know. compared to an angel or called an angel a lot? Yeah, yeah, which I don't find insulting. I mean, that's a compliment, yeah. But there, there are just some things that come up quite frequently or people like doing glissandos or being very excited about glissandos, you know, like oh, yeah. glissando is very typical harp sound. Um, and it's one of the easiest things you can do on the harp. Literally, you're just running your finger across the strings and anybody can do that having played harp for about two seconds. And so it's not really exciting to us, uh, me personally, but it can be very exciting for other people. So that's just kind of a balance where you're like, well, that's fine. That's part of my life now. <laughs> <laughs> we can apply that to so many things. <laughs> now, imagine this note from a director. Stephanie, I want you to play um, Oh Danny Boy with so many more glissandos in there. <laughs> I'll be like, I can recommend a lot of really great harpists to you. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing. I'm sorry, Emily. No, it's okay. I just have to blow my nose real quick. <laughs> All right. So speaking of strange, this is this is getting a little off the rails here. But um, speaking of, like musician to musician. Um, has there ever been a time where you've received feedback from someone and they've given you a musical direction that is a little odd? Oh, like something that's not possible, like more, or that you like just... more bass, <laughs> <laughs> or it's like need, us... um, like need more cowbell or some like <laughs> some level of like ridiculousness. Well, I think it's often in orchestra where the conductor is just like, I need more there. And you are physically playing as loud as you possibly can. And I used to be like, oh, I don't think I can. And now I'm like, I'll do my best, <laughs> you know? Um, Cause there's just a limit to how loud you can get sometimes. And then when you're competing with a whole orchestra, you probably don't win. You can only <laughs> do your best, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's the, the main thing. Um, or, or just being sent music ahead of time 
that is not playable on the harp. Because sometimes you'll have people that just have never written for the harp and they just write whatever sounds nice on the computer program. And then you get the music and you look at it and you're just like, um, I, I have to figure out how to kindly word this <laughs> or to give some suggestions of how it could be made playable. And that can be an awkward conversation sometimes. <laughs> Thank you for spending <laughs> uh, plentiful amounts of hours on this, um, what I'm sure sounds like a lovely piece of music. Um, in terms of reality, I, I must inform you that this is not feasible by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. can, I, can I offer my consultation services to you to make this uh, functional? Yes, yes. I have, though, had other um, composers reach out to me and, like, send a sample and say, can you just tell me, is this, a, is this the right direction or not? And then I can send them feedback. That's and awesome. I love, I think most harpists are really wanting to play music that they, you know, that works on the instrument and they're willing to give feedback. And some, some harpists really do have a professional consulting, like, you're a composer, set up a session and we'll, you know, have a lesson basically on how to write for the harp well. I see more of that nowadays. It's exciting. That's great. Yeah. Um, for those for those that are aspiring to play the harp, um, what words of advice do you have? Oh, um, I think that most people in my observation kind of have a honeymoon phase with the harp where they just love every sound that's coming out of it, um, maybe for up to a year. And then there's a little bit of a um, pit of despair that hits. I don't know if this is encouraging or not, but it's just, it's what I've observed from being a teacher that usually your ear um, develops faster than your physical ability to play like the technical um, skill. And so you need to just kind of push through that pit of despair and don't give up. It's like you really will improve to meet what your ear is telling you you want to sound like. So, um, you know, and that might be a year or something where you're feeling like, I don't play very well. But as a teacher, when my students come back after two weeks, I can hear the improvement. It's very encouraging to me. And then I'm just trying to convey that, like you really do uh, sound better or more comfortable or fewer buzzes than you did last week. So yeah, yeah, beware the pit of despair, but don't get stuck in it, just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I would say also try to rent a harp first. Don't buy a harp right off the bat because you don't necessarily know what kind of harp you want and they are expensive. Um, so if you rent one for a couple months, six months, you can kind of decide oh yeah, this is what I like, or I like that one better, and then invest. That That's is a good really idea. smart. Yeah. I know someone who likes to do that with sporting equipment. I want to try mm. downhill skiing. Let me go buy all the top-of-the-line skiing stuff, and then and then they Ooh. find out later they didn't like it, and now they have thousands of dollars, and yeah, that's a, that's yeah. an expensive uh, lesson to learn. Yeah. Harps do look very beautiful if they sit in the corner of your living room, but I always feel a little bit sad when people have harps and they're not playing them. I mean, 
there's always hope then that they might come back. So I'm not necessarily saying you can't have a harp. You should just always keep the harps you have. But if you have them, you have to play them also. <laughs> you have to do more than just dust them off. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a piano that my dad had that my mom is forever trying to pawn off on me because I am the, the musical person of the family. And it's this upright piano that she she just does not want it with all of her life. Um, and it's great. It's super nice. It's like a 1950s upright piano. Um, but it is so severely out of tune. And I do not have the space. And my mom's just like, here. And I'm like, I don't have the space. Yeah. Uh, it would literally be sitting in my house just with no one playing it until I got it tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But does it look nice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you need ideas, uh, I have ideas. No. Okay. No, Emily. Um, if anything, I'll have to donate it to a church. Uh, <laughs> but because I know where she's taking that. Uh, but Stephanie, what I do want to ask you is... Um, uh, what uh what are some socials what are the most uh most effective ways that people could stay in contact with you or keep up to date with what you're doing mm, yeah um i guess it depends on and yeah what you'd like if you are interested in only the big the highlights like mm-hmm. upcoming concerts I would say sign up for my email newsletter list, which you can find at my website, uh, www.stephanieclausen.com. If you want kind of more of the mundane parts of, well, I don't know, are they mundane? The things that I find exciting about my harp career, (laughs) Facebook, um, my professional page on Facebook. If you're interested in more of the random shots of the afternoon tea I'm having and an occasional little harp snippet Instagram. If you're just there for the music, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And actually you should do all of this because (laughs) we believe in supporting our guests. So thank you. And you should just go check it all out because Stephanie is amazing. Hmm. (laughs) No, no pressure, but pressure. (laughs) Um, with that being said, um, Stephanie, I really do have to thank you for being on tonight. Um, thank you so much for, for educating us and thank you for sharing your artistry with us. Um, Stephanie, um, sorry, I called Emily Stephanie now. Um, (laughs) uh, Emily, what was it, Suzanne? Are you called? Yeah. Yes. I called her Suzanne. You, you would not know that we've known each other for over ten years. <laughs> uh, sometimes my brain is like a melting pot. Um, mm. um, but in all sincerity, thank you so much for educating us. Thank you for sharing your artistry. Thank you for satiating us with um, with Lord of the Rings content. Yes. We want more. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> We'll invite uh, you to our big castle event as soon as we find a castle to heist. I will come. Excellent. Yes. And I want to thank you guys for even having this podcast when I got your email and I was like, there, there are other people. I mean, in theory, I know there are other people that 
love this romantic um, or romanticism. And I was like, there's, there's a podcast for that. That's amazing. So I was very encouraged and just excited to be invited to be part of it. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. It's, it's good to hear <laughs> that we're doing something right. Um, cause it feels right, but you know, we're just, there's just two of us. So now there's mm -hmm. more. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels really good to hear that. I don't know if you realize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. It's true. Yay. Um, well, <laughs> with that, <laughs> um, we, we do, oh, we do typically like to end our podcast with a quote. And uh, the quote that I have tonight is from, and I am going to butcher this name and my apologies, uh, from Bong Ha Lee uh, from On Resticism. Our objective as a realist is to maximize our worth, and our objective as a romanticist is to be foolishly youthful. Mm. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So some last minute announcements here as we wrap up tonight. Um, we do want you to check out our online store. We are pretty much now on every single major podcast outlet available. We did move into your home about two months ago. Um, we did eat all of your adorable pedophores, tea cakes, and cucumber salads. And we did drink the freshly squeezed lemonade. I do recommend just a little bit more raspberry next time. So Thank good, you. That was so good. Oh, it's so good. So and if you want to, if you want to send us more treats, um, please email us at sendustreats at themodrom.com. That is a real email. Um, if you would like to sponsor us, please sponsor us. We love you at themodrom.com. Also a very real email. Uh, thank you to our moderators. This episode, along with every single podcast forever and ever and ever, is in memory of Joe Capone, our moderator, fellow comedian, critic, encourager, and great friend. Uh, you listen for free, free, wherever you listen, <laughs> wherever you get, acquire, attain, wrestle for, plunder, pillage, or download podcasts, whatever. Uh, for <laughs> updates, announcements, and info on who our next guests are, please follow us on social media. So stay put. I'm going to go hop into the pits of Mordor. Uh <laughs> It's been nice knowing you. Ah! <laughs> Cast him into the fire. It is done. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> you have to, as you fall in, you have to go, my precious. <laughs> my precious. That was good. That was good. Well, you know what we should do? Like a Lord of the Rings uh, script reading next time. We do oh, but reading. please, can we do it in, like, wacky voices? <laughs> more more so than normal. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I don't I don't care. I just want to do something like that. I think that'd be cool. Okay. Like a, like a Missouri accent golem. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> My precious. Southern Gandalf. Yeah, Archer said Southern Gandalf. My precious... <laughs> Fool of a tick! <laughs> <laughs> Jersey Pippin. <laughs> <laughs>